So, and this is one of one of the last things I want to talk about was the borderline elevation of Steve Gallagher's words um, to scripture. I met him. I shook his hand. I mean, my dad actually called him to try to dissuade him from letting me in to let me go there. And I was like, no, I, I want to go. Um, I believe this is what God's doing in my life. And it was. I mean, this is, so I'll talk later about like what God did in my life and the choice of love. That's what God taught me. It's a love relationship with God. With God. Um, <clears throat> that's what, that's mainly. But um, I mean, I mean, he's a passionate guy. He's just, they, they are doing what they believe is right. But I'm trying to say, hey, can we just, just take this for what it is. 21 year old subjective experience at your camp. That's it. Let those who listen or want to go, you know, let's just, just add to the conversation, please. And please have a conversation. Don't just shut people up. Okay, really deal with it because I'm. I think some things you guys are doing wrong. I, I do, I do. It just it stand before God. I don't know. It just it seemed like abuse. But you know, a couple of things that you know that, that Steve Gallagher kind of Pastor Steve Gallagher puts together in his books. A couple of redefinitions, but it's like a broken will, the self life, and uh, repentance. And that's kind of more of a lordship salvation thing, the repentance. But um, I'll just read a few quotes from his books. But uh, the root of sin exposed. I. That's his book. Uh, page 209, how does the Lord bring an independent person into real submission? And this kind of gets equated with salvation, kind of, in Lord again, lordship, salvation, surrender. So how does he bring an independent, I don't think that's what Steve's trying to, trying to say here, but a person into real submission, the same way the army transforms a raw recruit into a dis- disciplined fighter. The beginner's self-will must be crushed, and he must learn to align himself with the will of his superior. So that's God. And, okay, at the Altar of Sexual Idolatry, page 206, and he kind of parallels this in both of the books. The Christian who has undergone the crushing of his will by his heavenly father has learned to have a healthy respect for the master's whip. This is not the cowering fear of an abused child that an abused child has of a cruel father, but the proper reverence one has for the one who commands respect. This man's will has been conquered so that he no longer sees his life as one in which he has the right to control. From what I can tell, this is the pure outworking of lordship salvation. Like this, that this is how they see God. Be- systematically, you got to think of gears working together, okay? Because they believe this, this, and this about salvation and how one's saved and losing their salvation and no eternal security. This is how God shows up, essentially. And I was, I was there with a Marine. There were a couple of Marines there. And he just, he's like, Robert, I need you to read this. And he he actually pointed out to this section. He's like, that's not God. It's like, I it's like I went through Marine basic training. I know what a drill instructor is. You know, that's not God. It's love. And I put it here and I said, my will has been conquered. Not by fear. And I'll define what I think, how fear of God works in a couple. It's, that's a big, and that's something it says in the first song that you have to learn about. What is the fear of God? It's not just terror of being thrown into hell. So I want to talk about that. So my will has been conquered, not by fear and the whip of God, but the perfect expression of, of love in God, in human form, washing the disciples' feet. See, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And out of love for the whole world, bearing the punishment of all our sin, so that we can once again be called beloved friends and the people of God, right? This is what God, is, he's restoring. He's trying to bring everything back to himself. You know, and that's his glory, for the glory of God, because that's who he is. He's good, okay? That, that's the key, okay, all for the glory of God. Yeah, he's good. He's trying to restore. He's a restoring God. That's the key. It says God is love. God is good. Willing that no one would perish. We'll get into that later. Love, not abuse, <laughs> has conquered my will. Melted my re- love has melted my rebellious heart. That I mean that I mean when I was at pure life, I mean there was a moment where I really saw like that that flesh 
like that root break, that hatred of God. I'm not going to listen to anyone. I was like, you know, that doesn't need to be me because I know I have a new nature. I know I don't need to be that way. I was like, God, I just surrender it to you. And I was like, didn't deal with it anymore. I was like, I, I, I repented. I changed my mind about it. See, and we'll define repentance later, but I, it gets you, the term gets used differently throughout the Bible, okay, for different steps along the way. So I was saying repentance and sanctification, meaning I made a choice. I got it. So wow, and I just experienced the love of God in just an amazing way that really led. And but see, that was part of the choices I had to make in how do you overcome your porn addiction? Okay, well, it's learning to know who God is, you know, loving Him, not hating Him, you know, and seeing all that He's done. So so I, I want to say that the way that I'm seeing God, it's a totally different. And for these others, there were many other men that I was with that were like, yeah, God's heart is love. And that the articulation of God, again, systematically, it's it's different. God has a different character in this thinking, biblical thinking, theological thinking that uh, Steve Gallagher is expressing. And I want to talk about a lot. Like, I, he's explaining, I think, a real scenario where God does come in. And and I think what it is is, and I would, I would submit this to Pastor Steve and to all of them, when a carnal Christian, and if you listen to his testimony a little bit, you know, just living in sin, prostitutes, all that, whatever, you know, and a lot of these guys who come to pure life, God doesn't need to do something drastic. But he's not dealing with them according to their sin. It's already been, if you're a Christian, if you have faith, even if you're a carnal Christian from this perspective, the free grace perspective, God is going to discipline you, Hebrews 11, I believe, according to restoration, because he, he, he's like, you're being self-destructive. I'm going to try to help you and heal you and, and bring you back into being my son, my household, and you'll want to serve me. You'll want to dedicate your life, you know? So it's this kind of stuff. So Hebrews 12, uh, 7 is for discipline that you you have to endure. God is treating you. God is treating you like sons. You're saved. Your son is in Hebrews again. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all participated. Now that was used to say, well, see, God disciplines everyone. And I'm like, so you're not really his son. You're not really saved. I'm like, okay, but it literally says God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father doesn't discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all participated, then you are illegitimate children. So that's the point is you are legitimate because you're being disciplined. So that's the key. Illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have held earthly fathers disciplined us and were, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and it seemed the best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. Wow, the Bible says that. That we may share his holiness. Wow, wow. That that's what I, Wasn't that, that the point? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to which you have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame, okay, may not be put out of joint, but rather heal. So when God does something drastic, I think that's what Steve, Pastor Steve is, is alluding to. He's talking about, like, will bro. He's like, God, why did you do that? Oh, all this is happening. All this pain is like, it's painful discipline. But God is doing it because he loves you. And I, I think I've experienced some of this in my own life in a past relationship wasn't going in a good way. I was like, don't want them to hurt themselves. And so we parted ways. It was very painful. But looking in, and I don't know, maybe there was more going on. God knows what he's doing. But is this a healthy respect for the master's whip? I mean, no, this is this is not God. He's, he's all, I'm going to beat you up, Robert, you sinner. I'm like, no, it's, it's God is doing things, discipline, but it's out of a heart of love. And they, especially if you're there, the subculture of pure life, it, it's just, it's, it's different. It's, it's not, it's not, that heart of love it, uh, it just makes me want to throw up actually sometimes just thinking about what happened some of the things that went on but and i'll, I'll just continue on so uh root of sin that, that book again to page 209 until a believer's life is under god's control he is of little use to his kingdom okay how, how they define use and control how do we understand god's control is he just uh, you know you no longer have a will it's my will says god or is it 
like a surrender out of love, or is it being saved versus being justified? Okay, use for kingdom. Yeah, so anyway, so the only way he can come into meekness, the big thing there is pride, you know, they almost equate that with, you know, if you're saved or not, not saved or not, but it's a big, big, big deal there. Um, the only way he can come into meekness is through the breaking of his will. Consider the wild stallion. It may be beautiful and graceful. It may be a beautiful and graceful animal, but it has no usefulness in its untamed condition. Once it has been broken, however, that's you and me, were to be broken, the powerful horse is controlled and led by the reins and verbal commands of its master, God. Okay, so it's a theology of use. It's not a relationship. God has a plan. It's his glory. He's selfish. God's proud. He's the big selfish, and he cast Satan down because Satan wanted to be selfish. And guess what? That's his glory is God's alone. Now, God isn't selfish. God isn't proud. And this is kind of what I, I wanted to go on and say. Um, I think I wrote this later. But it's like two totally different ways of like, like why does God humble Nebuchadnezzar? Why does, it, there's two, okay, either God is the big number one who crushes everyone else beneath him. Really, he's just proud and selfish, which he's not. But it's like, you could kind of extrapolate. And I actually talked to some teachers about that. Is God selfish? I'm like, well, he could be. Well, is he? That's the question. What does he say about himself? No, God is love. Love is not self-seeking. He's always giving. Or, this is key, pride and selfishness is contrary to God's very Trinitarian nature, right? He's always giving love, the love and the, to the Spirit and the Son, the glory. I give glory. I don't seek my own glory. I seek the glory of the Father. The Father gives glory to the Son. The whole, you know, they're, they're give, there's this love connect, self-giving, not self-taking love, not self-taking glory, you know, God. I mean, look. Glory, I think, is that could be discussed in other ways too. But, but like, there's just more to it. Or pride is contrary to God's very trinitarian nature to be a giver, and pride is independence. I'm going to be independent and not dependence on this life-giving, love-giving, light and truth-giving God. And that's His nature, you know. So God desires the dependent, trust, love, intimate relationship with His creation, and pride and independence destroys all of that. And that's what Satan did. That was the first thing, right? I'm going to be. I don't need God. And I think, I think the reality is all of everything. Literally, God is the nuclear reactor that powers everything. He is the Tony Stark reactor in my Iron Man suit. You know, he is the, I am the light bulb, he's the outlet. So why, people say, you know, why are you falling back into sin? Are you plugged in? Are you? That's what I'm trying to say, led by the Spirit, walk with God. That's what I'm trying to explain. Stay plugged in. That's that's how you want, you know, it's relationship um, with God. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's more of like a fear you know, God's, it's like, it's, it's understanding God without really understanding love. I think that's what it is. There's other stuff I want to get into, but we'll go on here and just talk about repentance. Um, that was a big, big thing for me. And this is more going back to the Lordship Salvation thing, but really they, they interpret repentance as not just change of mind. So when Paul talks about Acts 20, 21, repentance towards God and faith, okay, we have John's baptism of repentance. We have Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, uh, Three and nineteen, uh, repent and turn back to God, you know, so that your sins may be wiped out. So there's a theology where it's, it, and this is you know, the Lordship Salvation camp, I guess, but it's and others. I mean, I don't know how it all works. I'm 21. I don't know. It's just so nuanced. It, it seems okay. Repentance becomes another work. So you repent, then you are, and that's what they would do. They'd say you need to repent, then you have faith. And I'm like, okay, they just added something. Okay, and you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of faith. Okay. And you baptize is an outward sign of that, but that does not indicate, and there's a verse people use, and we're not going to deal with that, but you, you don't, you know, your your salvation isn't predicated, oh, I need to be baptized, or I'm not going to heaven. Oh, no, it's an outward manifestation of your faith. But repentance is the thing they camp on there, and it, and they define it as turning your feet, turning your eyes, turning your mind, you know, forsake sin, hate sin, and it's like turning to God. So it's a forsaking the sin and turning God, and it's not, no. Repentance means 
You're tr it's trust. How are you going to be? God is saying, you're going to keep trusting, you know, either God doesn't exist. Repentance is literally like whatever it is that you're at thinking about, like for the Jew, right? I am justified by my works. I am works, but I will stand before God with all of my works and I will be just. Or I don't believe, and I think Ken Ham actually gets on this a lot with a talk about foundations. Like, I think it's an Acts 3 versus an Acts 17. Peter, Paul in Acts 17 and Peter with the Jews, okay, Paul with the Greeks, Peter with the Jews. Same message, but there's a different way of doing it. They, the repentance was different, right? The Greeks are repenting of all their false gods to the one true God. Like, you know what? Those aren't real. God is the one true God, and Jesus is the only way to him. I trust him. The, the Jews are like, okay, it isn't, it, it, we killed the Messiah, right? We aren't justified by our works. Okay, we just trust alone. So what it's, repentance is you're changing your mind. It's a synonym for faith, okay? It means repent, change your mind into trusting Jesus Christ. Change your mind into trusting him. So you have to change your mind, and that's what the word means. But they're saying, no, they did a work, like kind of like a work of repentance. They forsook their sin. They forsook those, you know, the Greek idols and all that. Yes, but you're turning it into a work. You're turning it into this thing. It, they go, repentance and faith are, I heard, is the same, two sides of the same coin. It literally means change your mind. If you're trust, if, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you've already repented. You've changed your mind about whatever it was. You said, God doesn't exist. We're like, no, I, re I repent. I change my mind. God does exist, and I'm separated from him, and Jesus is the only way. I trust you, Jesus. You know, that's the repentance. It means change your mind. It means what they do is they turn it into this work of, like, did you repent correctly? Did you forsake your sins completely? What? It's an, it's, they add this work. That's not what the word means. Okay, lordship, salvation. They're going to they're gonna argue against that, but I'm going to say, no, it's metanoia. The Greek lexical definition of that word means change your mind. John MacArthur and others pack that with a theology based on preconceived notions and a systematic theology. That's what it is. That, that's how, what I would submit to you. And I say that, you know, tenderly, but, you know, I, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of this from Dr. Andy Woods and others who have kind of discussed this. Uh, I think it's another book I was reading, but it's like, you know, it's the free grace, lordship, salvation discussion. So, but again, so when he says repent and be baptized, repent and return, it's just change your mind. Change your faith. And so, and I like what Dr. Andy Wood says. There's 150 to 200 passages that say faith alone. We read a couple of them, right? Believe, John 3, 16. And it's like people cherry pick these 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 verses and create these these entire systems of like thinking up on these verses out and taking them out of context. I'm like, well, why don't we let the 150 clear verses interpret these, okay? If we're going to do that. But like, in reality, when it, when it makes sense, it's like, this isn't some other work of repentance. And, and you got to think about this. When, when, when you look at repentance in the Old Testament or repentance of, you know, repentance and godly sorrow leading to repentance, okay, in, in, in chapter 6 of, I think, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, right? Chapter 6 or 7. Okay, godly sorrow leading to repentance. That is what a cov a, only a covenant person of God can return to God. If you've never come to God in the first place through faith alone, there's no repenting. So it, they put... In, they put the cart before the horse, okay? It's not a, it, it's not, it's not this work that an unsaved person, the only thing, the Holy Spirit convicts the, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, judgment, right? Sin, they don't believe in me. That's the sin, righteousness, I go to be my father, uh, judgment, the rule of this world, Satan, okay, has been judged. Okay, the sin is unbelief, that's it. Okay, repentance is this other thing, oh, you need to forsake your pornography. No, that comes after, that sanctification. See how they blend, the, the two are blended? So that, that's the, that's, that's where that happens. But it's a repentance theology, and it's just 
You know, it's one of those many things. Or you need to confess God publicly. Okay, what does the, the mute person do? Well, I don't know if they're really saved. They have to confess God, you know, publicly. You know, things, things, more things taken out of context. I mean, I mean, it's just these are hard things. I know, but let's just move on.